everybody, welcome to Making It. This is episode 84. I'm Bob Claggett, here with David Pachuda. How are you doing? Nice! How's it going this good. time? Yeah, you are. <laughs> and Jimmy Duresta. Hey guys. How's it going? Thank you for having me. Very good. Things are good. Hot as hell. You know, you know you're always welcome, right? I mean, like, you're you're on the show. Like, we're not having you. You're just a part of the show. You know that, right? Well, I'm really thanking for the, the people that are actually tuning in. So I'm thanking those guys. Oh, okay. <laughs> I see. Special guest for the 84th time in a row, Jimmy Duresta. <laughs> no, I'm thanking the people for having us, you know, the collective listeners. So thank you, guys. That's That's what I'm really trying to say. But I also thank you guys for keep inviting me back. No, it's just, it's super hot here in New York. It's been so hot the last few days. It's like slightly oppressive. You just got to kind of truck on through and carry a couple of extra t-shirts with you. But yeah, it's, it's been tough. And down in the shop, as long as I have fans going, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. But uh, everywhere I go, I have to have a fan with me, like pointing at me. So mm. it's one of those couple days. It's, so being in, in like the lower level of those type of buildings, that doesn't afford any cooling at all. Oh no, it's, I, it, it I certainly does. Cellars is always being like cooler. No, it's yeah. like in the basement, it's ninety above ground. It's I mean, in the basement, it's like eighty above ground. It's like ninety-five. That's what it seems like. So mm. you feel the right. the breeze. You feel the cools. The temperature drop as you go downstairs. It's in all honesty, it's probably about seventy-five, eighty in the basement. But with the fan on, it's totally feels chilly and nice. So everywhere <laughs> I go, I'm like pointing the fan in that direction. I, I need one of those tripods that. That follow me. What are those tripods called? When you have the remote control in your pocket and you walk around and it points at you. Oh yeah, the solo yeah. shoot. Yeah, solo shot. I need that thing. for my fan. That's what I need. So there's an <laughs> Arduino project for all three of us right there. <laughs> nice. Or you could just take a box fan and build a like a backpack frame. Yep. And put it on your back, like blowing up the back of your neck with a really long extension cord. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. It'd be cool. Don't laugh. We talked about well, it two days ago. Me and Taylor. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> true. Well, what have you guys been up to? What, what's everybody working on? So today I started a ridiculous project. I started and finished just a little bit ago. Uh, I have this really old woodworking book called Bench Woodwork. I'm showing you guys on camera, but I but nobody else can see it. Uh, I'm a big fan of old books, and I was flipping through the book last night looking for something to post on Instagram, and I did. I never noticed it before, but there is a wiener dog tie rack project yeah, in the book. that's cool and i was like i gotta do this <laughs> and so uh, i made it today it's ridiculous i have no use for a tie rack for my one tie <laughs> that i own uh so i'll just give it away to one of my my patreon followers but yeah, it was nice. fun cool. uh there's a little bit of carving in there uh i actually i i had to um i we we were supposed to record this at four but I needed to get this video done so I could have it out for my, my Tuesday video. And so uh, the reason I was a little late was because I had to go to the Goodwill and buy new ties for the video. <laughs> and so I, I got I got like the, the four most ridiculous ties I could find and yeah, just finished up the project. And that's pretty cool. That's awesome. That's and of course, Ween's the wiener dog makes an appearance in the video. Nice. Of course. I see you put a tie on him. Ah, that's funny. (laughs) I see a cross dissolve, like he walks into frame and it cross dissolves into his silhouette. (laughs) We should have talked before you finished. We we should have. I'll (laughs) consult you before every video now. For every wiener dog project. With every wiener dog project, exactly. (laughs) Because those are easy. (laughs) (laughs) 
So what am I doing? I'm uh, just finishing up some client work. But over the weekend, I had a really productive weekend. I talked a couple weeks ago about Eric Lazat. That's the proper way to say his name. He, uh, Eric and uh, Kevin, Kevin, Eric's his brother. Uh, Kevin came to my shop at the farmhouse and we did some machining Saturday and Sunday. And I learned a lot from him, actually, quite a bit. He taught me some techniques on the lathe about getting things true and and using your your edge finders and stuff like that. And uh, I got a, a really good jump start on my Canon build. And there's some pictures on my Instagram for that. It's going to take some time just because I'm not able to get upstate as often as I need to to get it finished in time. But I'm real excited about uh, a good a good jump start on that, that that he helped me with. So thank you for that, Kevin. Yeah, nice. and now I'm in the city just working on some client work. i got to install tomorrow. And, uh, yeah, just trying to stay cold. It's tough. <laughs> cool. Stay cool, brother. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. It's hot here as well. I mean, it's it's just it's just gross. Like, no matter what you do, no matter when you, like, when I decide to run or any, it's just all day long. It's just hot. What's tough is we got to turn the air conditioner off, too. Because it's in, I'm in the room where the air conditioner is, so I have to turn it off so that when we talk, it's not making noise. Yeah. So yep. the, the sacrifices we do for you. Guys. <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mine's off as well, but you may hear a noise in the background, and if you do, that's my 3D printer, and that's because it's in the middle of a very long print, and uh, we weren't planning on recording today, but it was kind of a quick change, so it's still printing in the background. So I hope that's not too loud and annoying. Um, for me, I've been working on this 3D printing project for next week, um, but the stuff that's going on this week is um, I made a portable paint booth. So it's a paint booth that is all hinged on all the sides, and so it, it folds down flat. And so I can collapse it, put it behind something, and then when I want to use it, pull it out, turn it into a box, and put a box fan behind it. It pulls through a, a filter. And the funny thing is, I made this last week, and then filmed, last night, I went to film like the intro and the outro and stuff, and I sat down on my computer before I went to film that, and refreshed my feed, and there was a video from uh, DIY Tyler, you guys know him? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they were just neighbor, in New York. He made a... Oh, yeah? He was, yeah, for uh, um, Google's, the Google uh, education oh, that's program. Right. Him and Nick Ferry. Yeah. He made a portable paint spray booth. <laughs> and that was his video. <laughs> and it's it's a bit different in construction than mine, but, you know, it's just funny how people kind of do the same things around the same time. And, yep. um, anyway, so, but he did a really good job. It's just a different way to go about it. So I'll link his video as well. Just And I actually ended up mentioning it in my video, so maybe he can get some more views from anybody that's interested in seeing mine. They'll want to see his as well. Nice. He's a good dude. Yeah. I've met him uh, at the Detroit Maker Fair last year. He lives in the area. He, I think, in Detroit, which is really close to us. Good dude. Cool. Nice. Um, speaking of Maker Fair, they just released, or whatever they call it, um, tickets for the Atlanta Maker Fair, which is October 1st and 2nd. Mm, and the New York Maker Fair. That's where time. I'm going to be. It's the same weekend as the one in, yeah, same weekend as the one in New York, which is why I'm not going there. That's a bummer. But, um, so I'll be in Atlanta. Anybody that's you know in the South should really come to it because it's a good fair. It's you know smaller than New York and San Francisco, but it's a really good size. It's got a great feel to it, and the staff is really awesome. They they've done a great job the last several years. Um, yeah, so I'll be there. And there's I've talked to quite a few other people over Twitter that are going to be there. It sounds like there's going to be a good turnout. So tickets are available and they're free. You know, 
you just got to sign up for one so they know how many people to expect. But uh, October 1st and 2nd in downtown Decatur, which is part of Atlanta. So come hang out. Yep, I'll be in New York at the same time at the New York Maker Fair. So if anybody's going to be around this area, come hang out. No, come to Atlanta and hang out with me. Yours is free. Mine, I think, costs a few bucks. So, <laughs> Cool. Um, well, we didn't really have a topic today, um, but I asked Twitter for some questions, and they're kind of rolling in. Do we so want to do we, what we learned? Remember that? Oh, yeah. Let's let's do that. And then I have another little, uh, little thing that I want to talk about before we get to those questions that came in. But, yeah, so last week we didn't do the today I learned or this week I learned thing, and people – talked about it and we're like why didn't you do the new segment well, we forgot i think or did we not we, i don't well, know well no we just didn't have anything to say i think it's not something we're gonna do every episode <laughs> i don't think <laughs> so it'll happen when we have things to share but do you guys have something to share anything new yes uh so my cutting board video that i put out last week has an inlay which may not technically be an inlay which may technically be an inlay there's controversy there but it goes it's inlay that goes all the way through it looks great the picture looks amazing oh thank you and uh so it's a technique that i learned from a, a fine woodworking article many years ago written by a guy named scott lewis and i was like oh that's cool and like most woodworking techniques you just assume that they've been around forever and that maybe the author of that particular article did not invent that technique. And you're just doing something that somebody else has done a million times. So I've used this technique on a box before. I think there's a video out from like maybe two years ago that I did. And in that video, I said, hey, this is the thing I learned from um, Scott Lewis. But in this video for the cutting board, I just said, hey, there's here's how to do this. And Uh-oh. I got called out by fine woodworking and said this is uh scott lewis's technique and i just you know i just assumed that this was a a woodworking technique that's been around for many years like everything else and so i learning that you know maybe there are some new techniques that people have come up with in the past few years and not everything has been handed down generation to generation so hmm. i've learned that maybe i need to uh, watch my back and uh, give credit where credit is due at times. Right. It seems like an honest mistake, though. It was yeah. an honest mistake, yeah. Yeah, it's not like you you know, you weren't trying to claim it as your invention. Right, right. And I'm you know I'm just I'm making this thing and I'm just trying to show people how I how I do it and not trying to step on any toes. So sorry, Scott Lewis. Scott, sorry to find woodworking. That's an interesting thing though, because like um, you know, random person who does woodworking, say as a hobby. They learn things as they need them to, and they may not learn any particular new skills, you know, but every few months or something, they, you know, maybe six months they go, oh, I have to make a cutting board, and they go learn that one particular thing, and they add it to their kind of quiver of arrows that they use going forward. But with what we do, we're we're constantly making things, and we're constantly having to find new techniques and new ways to do things, and so we're just like piling on every little scrap of, you know, new thing that we can find. Mm-hmm. Um and so it, yeah, it's hard to always remember even where you learned something when you're learning a lot or where you saw it or, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and, and it is really good, of course, to give credit where credit is due, but yeah. it's, I think a lot of times we don't even think about the fact that it's a thing we learned. It's just like 
one of the things that we know. Right, we're just you pulling know, it out of our arsenal of of, right. of techniques. It's funny. Yeah. I'll, I sometimes I'll do something in a in a video, and somebody will say, "Oh, that's the that's the Jimmy Dresta way." I'm like, "Yeah, uh, well, yeah, Jimmy Dresta does that, but I don't think he invented that." Yeah. <laughs> He's using a hammer, just like Jimmy Duresta well, did. People always accuse me of, uh, you know, inventing the uh, the sped up camera shot. I didn't invent that. I just took, I just use it more often. That's it. Yeah. Well, and I've gotten into the habit. I don't know if this is a good habit or a bad habit, but um, I've gotten into the habit of being really verbose about when I when I know that there's somebody else doing something similar or has done something similar recently. I try to be really clear about like I got this from them. Or I learned this from watching that person, so you should go check them out too. And really, that's mostly so that I don't have to deal with the thousand comments of, oh yeah, Tested.com just posted something about this two weeks ago. You know what I mean? Of course they did. That's what inspired me to do this thing. Whatever. <laughs> um, they put out that you know, video so you could use that technique in your yeah, show. You know? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's why people are teaching this stuff, is so people will learn it and implement it and... Um, you know, but I don't like, I don't want to be unnecessarily apologetic about using things that other people have used. You know, I mean, you don't want to get gun shy about like, okay, now we're going to list the 20 sources for where I learned everything (laughs) that I'm going to do in this video. But at the same time, it is, you know, it's great to give credit, but it's also really good when you do that to, um, to be able to kind of spider web through YouTube. Mm -hmm. Um, cause if I'm doing a, a helmet, like I'm planning on doing a helmet build, a prop helmet of some sort. And um, Bill Duran has done one recently. Evil Ted Smith also does prop stuff. He's done one recently, and then he did one for Tested. And so there are three videos right there that I learned a whole bunch of stuff from, and they're very similar. They're in the same space, you know. And so if I didn't call those out as sources for where I got inspired or learned some stuff, you know, it would come up in the comments that I was trying to rip off that knowledge. But, you know, I mean... Oh, plus... When you call out those sources, you also elevate the entire community, right? Because yeah, it, yeah. It, we're not competing against each other. We're all trying to reach the same the same goal as the biggest audience that we can get our videos in front of. And so we're all tra- actually trying to help each other out. And when one person grows, it actually helps the whole community. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And by the way, I just watched the video just to see the specific technique because I've seen your, your thumbnail. And uh-huh. I've, I've actually done almost exactly the same thing, but not with the router bit. The router bit obviously takes up the girth of the in, in, inlay. I, I've right. done it with sort of like bandsaw curves and stuff like that. Nothing that I can remember, but I know I've done something very similar to it somewhere. Um, so, yeah, anyway, so I used that technique in the last 30 years, but, you know, I didn't think I invented it either. So it, and Well, the thing is, he did it on a cutting board, and yeah. I did it on a cutting board. So, yeah, yeah I mean... Okay. Shame on me. Yeah. Well, what did I learn this Shame week? I learned this week that the printing press community um, are actually very kind and welcoming because <laughs> I did I did uh, a second printing press video this weekend. I kind of, uh, uh, spur of the moment I was going to print, I did print several new posters. And at the last second, just as I was about to begin, I was like, oh, let me film this, even though it was something I've already done. And so I made a two-minute, two-and-a-half-minute video out of my process of printing. Me and Willie printed about 300 more posters, and uh, right after I did it, I got a lot of comments. You know, not a lot, but a lot of positive comments. And and then the printer, the printing press community, people that know techniques 
I don't know anything about these techniques. I just know like the vague concept of like stick this in there and ink will go on that and put it on the paper. But uh, I learned quite a bit in the t- in the comments. I'm learning quite a bit from the from the the people that are watching that have had experience. They're like, oh, why don't you use reducer? Why don't you use you know there's this chemical that'll make it dry quicker? All these little things that I'm learning, and all the information is being distributed in a kind, loving manner. So thank you to all the printing press nerds out there that are nothing like axe nerds. <laughs> Maybe you should come up with a different ner- name. <laughs> oh, I say nerds lovingly. No, so it's it's been uh, it's been great. So I'm actually really glad I put out that second printing press video. It was kind of just like I put it out. I, I didn't announce it. I mean, not that I typically announce my videos, but I put it out, and then the next day I put out you know kind of a, a more elaborate video of the axe build, but or the hatchet, the metal hatchet build I put out the very next day. So it was kind of I was just throwing it out there, and it, I'm glad that I did. And, and each time that I print on that machine, even if the video is a minute or too long, I'll probably end up just making a video of it, just because I'm still intrigued and and in love with watching that machine do what it does. And uh, it would be really cool yep. to um, for if you made a video about that, but then maybe not just showing the final result, but show what's actually happening, the mechanics of what's going on. Sure, I'm still not. And ter- you know, I-, I watched both of those, and I'm still not really clear on like what all's moving and how things are timed. That's really interesting. Right, that's a good point. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, I have a, a very specific concept for another video for the printing press. It'll start out with a block of wood. I'm gonna hand sketch and then hand carve, and then that'll that's gonna be the pr- the printed poster is the hand carved. So in that video, I'll definitely call out some. I, I, I missed a couple of good opportunities to shoot the machine from the profile. And seeing some of the mechanisms. I mean, I got some of that, but there were some specific shots I wanted to do that I forgot. So I will certainly, definitely keep that in mind the next time I, sh- I do this this upcoming idea. So I- I'm liking the fact that I'm making these posters and people want them. I really, the, the first batch of posters I made, I thought I was just going to hand them out to friends who came by. And then everybody's like, I got to buy one. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's why I want, they want it for sale. And so this next batch is also going to go up. And I already bought paper to, to do a new, different batch. So... Looking forward to to doing that. I really enjoy awesome. I really enjoy the, the concept and the and the uh, the process of printing. I really got into it this last time. If you notice, I was kept I kept like running the machine and like going like like I was pulling the lever on a on a uh, what do you call those things in Las Vegas that you pull the arm on slot machine? Yeah, <laughs> I kept pulling the, <laughs> I kept pulling the lever and I was like. Hoping the print would come out good each time, and and it, you know from time to time they would come out a little crummier than better. But I also learned too that I could leave it in the machine, and it could could impress the same piece of paper three and four times, and just each time distribute a little bit more ink. Hmm. And that's uh, again just the, the more often I use the machine, the, the the few things I'm learning that I just never thought were possible. So that just comes with yeah. experience. That's it. That's you know the bottom line is it just comes with experience. Awesome. So, um, well, kind of along the same, oh, no, not a, about being nice, I guess is what I was thinking. Um, the, I, I did some sewing on the last video that I did for the outdoor sink and it was kind of like you with printing. Like I didn't have any clue what I was doing. I just started doing it and, you know, figuring out how I was going along. So I learned that when you're putting pins through a hem to make a hem, I put the pins parallel with the hem. Mm-hmm. And so when I was feeding it through the sewing machine, I had to pull each pin out so that it could go under the foot. Yeah. And I had immediately a lot of really nice comments saying, put your pins perpendicular to the seam, and then you can just sew right over them. 
Right. And then you pull them out when you're done. And I'm like, oh, that <laughs> seems so simple. <laughs> but a huge, you know, time saver. And it would make, because one of the things I kept running into is every time I would stop the machine to pull a pin out, I would have to restart, but my hands had shifted. So then the seam wasn't running perfectly the same direction. So there'd be like these little kicks every time I started and stopped the machine. And, you know, being able to go straight over them, that would have gotten rid of that and I would have had a better seam. So another uh, a friend of mine who taught me how to sew years ago, she kind of got me started and I learned a lot from Taylor as well. But my friend told me years ago, one of the most important things she said to me that, that helped me is every time you start and stop the machine, make sure your needle is through the material. So make sure you always stop. Oh. So the needle will be right where it's supposed to be. You could lift the oh, foot up. You could yeah. spin the material around. As you click the foot right back down, the next stitch is going to be exactly spaced from the previous stitches. So if you flip the foot up and you're still in line and you're not stuck in the material, you're going to shift around. You're going to end up with a little hiccup in your line. So always hmm. always stop with the needle in the material. This way you could make a Hey, I learned. <laughs> you can make a 90-degree turn or you could just you know stop and keep going, but you'll maintain your spacing. Cool. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, good to know. Yeah. Um, all right, so we got some Twitter stuff coming in. We'll get to those in a second. Um, I We've talked about Fusion 360 in the past a little bit, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe? Okay. I finally started using, using it the last, I don't know, maybe on Friday, so the last over the weekend, and I totally get it now. Uh-oh. I totally understand why people think it's awesome and you know, how it's capable and like what all it can do. I mean, I don't know it that well yet, but after finally starting from scratch and building a thing that I knew what it should look like in my head, you know, I I had photo reference, trying to replicate something with it, um, going from two dimensions to three dimensions really gave me an understanding of like how you layer the stuff and how, how it's categorized. And so it's really encouraging to know that like just spending a little time with one project, I have a different understanding of this whole thing and I can probably use it a lot more going forward on my live stream last week. <clears throat> I, um, we finished something up and I was like telling everybody watching, Hey, let's go 3d model this thing that I'm going to build. And I sat down in one, two, three D design, which I've used quite a bit and tried to model this thing. And it was just like problem after pop problem over and over the entire time. And I got so frustrated, and it was live, so that was part of it. Um, and the you know people watching were giving me suggestions, and they were really helpful and patient and stuff. But at the end of it, you know, of like an hour of this modeling and attempting, it was I had nothing. I had nothing worth using. It was really frustrating. So that's when I was like, okay, I'm going to try Fusion. It's you know I don't know the tools. I'm going to have to learn as I go. And immediately it was better. And immediately I saw the process of how I should do things and doing the research on what tools I needed was a lot easier. And so anyway, anybody that's been looking for 3d modeling software or, you know, if you're going to do 3d printing or CNC or both, uh, just get fusion. It's free. Just learn it. Funny that you mentioned that because I, it's, it's one of those things that I've wanted to get into, but I haven't really had a a need to yet. Uh, and I'm a subscriber to lynda.com. And I've been waiting for a lynda.com video to come out on Fusion 360. And just like three days ago, they released hmm. their first 360 tutorial. So if you are nice. lynda.com subscriber, check that out. And just so here's a, here's, a, here's a quick tip for everybody that many libraries 
give you a free lynda.com membership. So look into it. Really? So if you are in Toledo, you get a free if you if you are a member of the Toledo Public Library, you get a free lynda.com membership. Hmm. Wow. That's pretty big. I think yeah, I get one from the School of Visual money, Arts right? too, yeah. I think. What's that, yeah. Jimmy? I think I get to use one from the School of Visual Arts. I think I got an email about that just recently. Oh nice. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Well, and if you don't have Linda, um, the YouTube channel for Fusion 360, that the one that's run by Autodesk, is actually a really good quality. They have tons of tutorials that are very specific. You know, it's not like an hour-long class. It's three minutes of, here's how you turn this shape into this shape, or how you yeah, use this Yeah, I've watched that. It is actually tool, done well. So. Yeah, they did a good job. And it's not overwhelming, which I think is... A lot of technical videos like that can be kind of overwhelming if they try to cram too much in. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's a good one. Okay, Twitter. Twitter. Thanks, Twitter. What's our Twitter? Thanks, Twitter, for all the questions. We have a uh, quite a few now. Um, <laughs> let's see. Oh, oh where did it go? There's okay. Uh, this is from the Maker Monkey. At what subscriber count will Jimmy show us his collection of mallards? <laughs> I just did. I just did. I just showed my. Uh, that was hammereds. Hammereds. No, there was a few mallards in there. A couple that I made were in there that I talked about in the beginning. Actually, my my next collection probably will be because I was with uh, Kevin this weekend and I showed him. I was like all excited to show him these few wrenches that I had. So I think my next collection will be wrench inventions that I didn't invent, but that I collect. So from time to time, whenever I go to the flea market, one of the things I'm always looking for is interesting wrenches with cool mechanisms that I could just put in my vocabulary to use somewhere or even just be inspired by to do something completely different with, but similar in, in concept. Uh, for instance, my, my recent hatchet handle video that I made, that was inspired by a, a wrench from 120 years ago, which I collect a lot mm. of, the way the wooden... You see a lot of the screwdrivers with it. You have that hard wood inset into the casted steel. And that was really my, my inspiration to do that. I always wanted to do something like that. But then I got the vision with that axe, that hatchet head that I got uh, at, a, at a flea market. And I saw that being the whole thing. It kind of came to me in a flash. And I was, it was a quick, easy video, even though it was fairly labor intensive. But it was a quick, easy video for me because I got to see the vision right away. So uh, coming up. If I ever hit 800,000 or 900,000 or a million, I think uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to show wrenches next, and then i got to come up with another one after that. Maybe I'll show my collection of chickens eventually. <laughs> they all look similar, though. I'm going to have to dye their hair or something. Yeah. <laughs> you should do that anyway. And, and chickens don't have hair. Just so you know. Feathers. <laughs> <laughs> if your chicken has hair. It's not, it's a, not chicken. a chicken. <laughs> it's a cat. <laughs> hey, guys. Chickens don't have hair. Unsubscribe. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Speaking of that, uh, this one's from David. Um, are there any nerves that come with being judged by thousands of people on the internet for what you make? <laughs> Do you guys still deal with nerves or like apprehension about posting or a little bit? Not I nerves. still get it. You know, it's excitement. Yeah, it's 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 like a little bit of butterflies in the stomach. I, you know, just before I'm about to go do a lecture, or you know, I always get that little bit of like take a deep breath and be like, okay, I hope this goes well. And uh, I, that same thing happens every time I click publish. I've talked about that before. And, you know, we all have that little bit mm-hmm. of like, okay, here we go. Let's see what happens here. And, uh, you know, it's always a good feeling. I, I, I Honestly, when I put up my printing video the other day, I was like, oh, I hope people don't get mad that I'm doing something similar to something I just recently did. But that's why I try to make it really fast and, you know, kind of like just a quickie. 
And uh, I got, got, like I said, I got a good response on it. You know, it's not getting the hits that the first one got, but that's fine. In time, everything builds a, a nice audience. But yeah, I, it's always nerve wracking in a good way. You know, that energy is what we live for. What about you doing? Yeah, I don't really get the nerves anymore. Uh, it's more just pure excitement. Like, I can't wait to hear what people are going to say. And usually, at least for my channel, is when I put out a video, the first 24 hours is mostly nothing but awesome positive comments. Because those are my yeah. two right. subscribers, mm-hmm. the ones I can't wait for the videos to come out. It's it's the people that follow on the video, that, that find the videos to search later on that kind of say the, 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 the hateful things. And Why did YouTube make me watch this? <laughs> that's, that's <the> <laughs> right, right, right. I always and, love that I one. Mean, but for, I mean, like, like we've mentioned it before, like 99.9% of all the comments are good, positive, or, or they, they mean well, and, or in just plain encouraging. So I just get mm-hmm. completely excited to really, I kind of, I, I know this is going to sound crazy. I kind of miss the trolls because no one's starting any fights with me lately. Here you go. <laughs> so I got nothing to fight for. Well, you just put a target in your back, son. <laughs> know, well, no one's listening to this that hates us. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> At least not that I know of. <laughs> Speak for yourself, maybe. Um, yeah, I'm kind of with you, David. Like, I actually really enjoy the comments that come in really in the first few hours. I mean, the first yeah. day or so. But that those first few hours are always the biggest flood of comments, and they're almost always very positive and and like those are the questions that i'm really interested in answering because those are the ones that are genuine you know like well okay i didn't quite get this can you explain this to me more or like where do i get the parts to make that for myself not like why didn't you use of this instead of a this you know those type of questions aren't i mean there are valid versions of like why did i do a certain thing but a lot of it is like, why did you use this brand blade instead of this brand blade? I, I don't know. It was on sale. I, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, I really enjoy those. But I, I do have uh, a bit of nerves when I post. I mean, I, I'm not worried about it. And the comments, the negative comments don't get to me like they used to at all, which is fantastic. I feel like that's a maturing in me. Um, but, you know, I'm still, anytime I've created something and I'm putting it in front of a bunch of people, you know, there is a bit of a... Anxiety is the wrong word, but you know, like a uh, excitement. Well, you know, you know, it's funny. I'm I'm working on the Canon video. It's like I said, it's slow going, but as I build up footage, I try and edit it together. And then when I do a couple of last once overs, once I have all the pieces, but I'm like trying to crop out my Crocs and my naked legs. You know, I'm trying to do all this stuff in the in the shots because <laughs> I, you know, people be like, oh, you know, using a lathe with Crocs. You know, it's just. Who cares? I really don't care. Yeah. It's a hundred like degrees. Like Bob Weldon in shorts. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right. And I just started- I worked really hard. Go ahead, Bob. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was say, I worked really hard to try to frame all those shots so you couldn't see my shorts <laughs> right. for about half of it. And then I was like, it's, I can't do it anymore. It's hot. I just got to. It's the same funny. thing with me. I went out in the woods yesterday. I'm making a table base for, for one of my clients. And it's, I'm going to make a video of it. And I had to go out and I had to literally harvest like two tree trunks. So I had to drive through my, my woods and find a dead tree, standing dead tree. And, and so I had a chainsaw with me. So I did it all in my Crocs and shorts and you know, the chainsaw nerds are going to tear me to pieces, but it will be somewhat funny because I can't crop out my whole body when I'm using the chainsaw and everything. So 
It'll be interesting, but that's uh, you, yeah. you could you could put like a giant sensor block over like from <laughs> from the waist down, so it looked like you were doing it naked. Mm, yeah, like when Jimmy Kimmel does like unnecessary beeps. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, no. So I'm gonna. You should do it's that. gonna be comical yeah. watching me. It's gonna basically be me like cutting it, cutting a tree down with nothing on. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I think I'm gonna write that down for a title. <clears throat> I do. Um, I do have right. a pair of Levi shorts on, by the way. <laughs> camel. I have camel Crocs on, so people won't be able to see my feet at all. It's just going to look like I'm floating in the air in the woods. Like, like you have green screen shoes, yeah. and they just get rid of your feet. Exactly. <laughs> what is the coolest object within arm's reach right now? Scott Comrie is asking that. In arm's reach. Oh, Jimmy, what's that? This is that that seahorse I always talk about. It's like the earliest thing I ever made that I have in my possession still. I made this when I was nine years old. I'm, the apartment oh, so cool. is uh, is a little taken apart, so I'm doing the podcast from my dresser top in my bedroom. And so this is this uh, seahorse that I made when I was a kid. Wow. And I made it on the back. I don't know if I've, I've always talked about it, but I don't know if I ever showed you guys. My dad gave me some scrap wood. He misspelled a sign that he made. This is this is oh, uh, I see it. Yeah. 40 years old, this piece of wood. And my dad was making signs for his friends at the firehouse and stuff. And uh, he misspelled words all the time because there was no iPhone to <laughs> check. Right. And uh, <laughs> so he would make the sign and show it. And my mother would be like, you spelled the word the wrong or whatever. <laughs> and so he'd go down and make it again. And uh, this is a piece of his scrap wood. And I made this seahorse. So I'm just like playing with cool. it while, while we're talking. And then that question came up. Can nice. you Could you throw that up on Instagram so we can link to that in the show notes? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, um, let's see. Will you have something? Uh, within arm's reach is probably this 1959 book called Bench Woodwork. And, and if you go to a thrift store, if you go to an antique store, look through the book section because the, the techniques basically are still the same today as they were mm. 40 years ago. Um, but just the illustrations and the smell of the book is just, oh, it's so cool. I just, I feel so good when I open up these old books. That reminds me nice. of a, a series of books. My, my, my old friend from upstate, I say old is because he's, he's about 80 years old. He's a, a friend of mine from the neighborhood upstate. And he's like, oh, you're a carpenter. Let me give you these books. And he gave me these series of books with leather bound. They're from like the 1920s or 1900s of carpentry books and how to properly frame a house and how to properly use a square. It's great. And like everything is oh, over explained, wow. but done really well. And so are there keep, illustrations in it? Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll oh, send you guys some pictures right. of them later. It's incredible. Yeah. I keep them around to just thumb through. Did you guys grow up with the Firefox books? Not me. I don't really? Think so. Time life. If anybody time life. Yeah. Um, if you ever are in a place and you find the Firefox books, it, it's a whole series of them. At least look through them. We had them growing up, and it's a, it's just like it's almost like an encyclopedia, but it's like how to make things or how to use what's around you. It's huh. just this weird combination of like Boy Scouts and construction and basket weaving and just all sorts of stuff. And I remember just loving flipping through them because it was always really random. At least in my memory, I could be remembering something incorrectly, but uh, I think it was called Foxfire. Anyway, um, around me, so I have this, I'll have to post a picture of this as well. <laughs> See this this figure? This was designed, this is a, uh, a, a sculpt that a friend of mine designed, 
and had it printed or had it made into a toy. And so it's like a full three-dimensional. Oh, it's like a little sculpt. vinyl, a vinyl cast. Yeah, but it's actually an epoxy, like a, a resin cast. So it's oh, really heavy, yeah. it's solid. But I mean, just a beautiful paint job and beautiful design. Yeah. It's a red panda uh, as a ninja. I can't remember what its name was, but my friend Dave, he's actually the same guy that did um, the artwork for the side of my arcade machine. And yeah, he's just nice an styling, really nice styling. Yeah, he's an incredible artist, and so that was one. Um, there's some website where you could have you could put up a toy design and it would get voted on, and then if it had enough votes, it would get made. And this one is number two of fifty. Cool. So there's not very many of them, but very cool. We should all hashtag cool things within reach or something and put all three of these pictures. <laughs> oh up yeah, oh, yeah, it's a good idea. Um, all right, see. Other questions? Mm, uh, what software do we use to record the podcast? Skype. <laughs> Done. With a plugin called Call Recorder. Yeah. And then David edits it down in Logic, right? Correct. Yes. Ed- Done. That edits out all the siren <laughs> sounds and. My hiccups. <laughs> Not all of them. <laughs> Not all of them. My beeping, my beeping smoke detector. Okay, here's a good one from uh, Andrew Setters. Hey, Andrew. Um, you've got $500 to start a shop. What's your shopping list of tools? It's funny that he asked that because about a year and a half ago, I wrote an article called Starting a Shop with $500, <laughs> which I'm going to make Bob post a link in the show notes to it. Uh, but it's all about going to Craigslist and finding everything that you need on Craigslist. You can get a table saw. I got my first table saw. It was a Grizzly for 125 bucks. Paid yep, them nice. 25 more dollars to deliver it to my house. Um, what else did I get? I got um, I got my bandsaw, my first bandsaw from Harbor Freight for with the coupon like 125 bucks or whatever. And then it's just all the little the little clamps that you need. So check Craigslist, mm-hmm. check Harbor yep. Freight. You can get a whole shop for 500 bucks. Well, 500 bucks, I got like five truckloads of hardwoods, which is when you see there's a video um, that I did for Core 77 where I made it called the Dovetail Bench. And me and Willie go into the container. All that wood that's in the back of that container is mostly all the wood I got. For 500 bucks, I got all that. I got two band saws, a bunch of hand tools, um, chain, like a couple, sh- like tons of shop tools, hand tools, and spike for 500 bucks. <laughs> So it all depends. You just got to like, you know, you just got to look around and, and, you know, you get lucky, you get lucky. Yeah. You know, one time, I don't remember where we were. It may have been at Maker Faire. There was a kid who asked a question and I remember your response was something, Jimmy, was something to the effect of like, go to your parents or your parents' friends or yeah. your friend's parents and ask them if they have any tools in their garage that they don't use because most likely they will. Yeah. And then ask them if they if you can borrow them or have if you them. can have them and people will be willing to just give you stuff that's in their way. Yeah. You know, or they're not going to use for a long time or something. Yeah. That's a really good I mean, idea. I don't want to take credit for this, but I don't know if uh, if the timing worked out, but uh, me and Bill Lavosi were talking and uh, and I encouraged him to go to Craigslist and you know, the next day on his Instagram he had a a, a truck with two huge tools on it that he got for just a couple hundred bucks. And, you know, I, I said, dude, go to Craigslist and just scour Craigslist. Even if you got to drive 50 miles, you know, it's worth it. I had it the day, the day I bought that lathe, that big lathe, that's, there's a video on my channel from last summer. We drove like 350 miles in one day to like there and back. And it was a, it was a, you know, but in one day I was able to get 
you know, a tool that I really wanted, but hmm. I was willing to drive. That was. It's really bizarre, and I know I've said this before, but I really think Savannah is a Craigslist <laughs> black hole. Right. And I mean, like I've looked on occasion. Just I don't I don't need any tools, so I'm not actively looking for anything. But you know, occasionally I'll just be like, oh, let me look for a mill or a, a small lathe or something. And the only things that I can find, I do get results, but they're in Jacksonville, which is two hours from here, or they're in Augusta, which is two hours from here, yeah. or Atlanta, which is four hours. Yeah. You know, they're within a range, but there is nothing, yeah. like tool-wise, anyway. Well, there are Maybe some... Maybe it's like there, all three cats and stuff. Yeah, there are some Craigslist cities that just don't get listed because maybe, like, you know, you classified it as a black hole, which is a good way to put it, because, like, for instance, Albany has tons of tools in New York State, but Catskill, which is 35 miles away... You open up the Catskill Craigslist, there's nothing. They'll, like you could see like the last three months like on one page. But when you open mm. up Hudson Valley, you know, 200 postings were put up in the last day. So it's just different mm. cities have, you know, like people in Catskill go to the Albany one more often than they go to the one that they're in, for instance. Mm. Right. So. Yeah, I guess maybe people just pick the, the largest, closest yeah. place. You know, maybe we're just not that. But yeah, that's cool. Um all right, so there was one here. Oh, <laughs> from Jonathan. Why do people feel the need to write first in the comments on all your videos? It drives me crazy. <laughs> I think people are just happy to, to be there. I, I know why. Why? Because yeah. people want to comment on the video, right? But they don't want to wait till the end of the video to leave a proper comment about the video. So while they're watching the video, they're sitting there right there. The comments is right there. Why not type first? It's like seeing cement. It's like seeing wet cement. And you're like, oh, I got to write my name. No one's looking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what it is. It's like, you know, they, you go to a video and like, oh, my God, nobody commented yet. I got I to gotta like, you know, scratch my initials in the wall. That's what it's about. It yeah. doesn't bother me at all. No, I think it's funny. It doesn't, it doesn't bother me either. I, I think it's um, a lot of it is just people wanting attention. Because, you know, if you go to a video and there's a thousand comments or a hundred comments, and you leave a comment, it's probably not really going to be seen. But when you go to a video and there's no comments yet, and you say, I'm first, <laughs> then everybody from then on has potential to see your comment. And I think people just want to be noticed. You know. And the funny, the funny thing is, is because I put videos through Core and I put videos through Make, and I don't know when they're going to go live. They just kind of give me a general range, you know, today after four, and I don't know. So from time to time, I just go and check. And there's been a few times where there was no comments. I just happened to hit it when I knew it was going to be up, and I write first on my own video. So people like that. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not the video that I'm in, in control of, so I'm just luckily found it. Yeah, that's funny. I had a on this last video that I put up. Um, I had a comment, you know, because I post and then I'm like right there at the computer doing other stuff, and you know, so I'm watching the comments as they roll in. And it was like a 10 minute or 11 minute video. I posted it, and in about a minute and a half, I got a comment that was like, hey, that was a fantastic video, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, <laughs> How does that happen? <laughs> you haven't had time to watch it all yet. It's in the fourth dimension. <laughs> I know you're not telling the truth. But anyway. Um, all right. So, can Jay. We, yeah? Can we answer Paul? Paul's question? Paul sure. Mayette? Is that how you say that, Jimmy? Paul Mayette? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, he wants to know what our favorite meal is. We always record this show. At dinner time, <laughs> and I'm always hungry when we're recording. Mm. So I want to know what everybody's favorite meal is. Hmm. Favorite, like full meal or individual? Let's go entree. full meal. Let's go full oh, meal. Wow. If mm. you're, you're 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 about <laughs> to get hung on the city street in front of everybody, 
and they're offering you your, your last meal. What do you want? I want a burrito. Really? Wow. <laughs> yeah, I like, I like a spicy burrito. I like I like huh. Taylor and I really really like spicy food. We go to like all different. Uh, you know, we go, there's like a noodle place we go to that sells really spicy food. There's a Afghanistan restaurant we go to that sells spicy food. So we like anything spicy. I mean, I know I know I, I'm speaking for myself. I like halal. Huh. I like I like lots of international spicy foods, typically with like meat and rice. Hmm. Hmm. I'm going chicken, dark meat, chicken, legs, thighs, um, usually fried or just breaded and baked. I just love, love chicken and mashed potatoes. That's, that's all hmm. I mean. Yeah. I think like, this is not something I eat very often and I couldn't, but as a last meal kind of favorite meal, I think a filet mignon with mashed potatoes and like a mushroom gravy whatever that stuff is you know they put over it with when it's with steak <laughs> mm-hmm. oh that's like my anniversary meal that's what i get when we go out to fancy places on anniversary i, I can get down <laughs> with a really good steak there's a couple of restaurants that that, that that i'll go to for for good steak but it's very rare my, my problem with a filet is <laughs> it's rare no get i mean it. like rare that i go out it's medium uh, rare yeah uh my problem with a filet is like when I, when we go out to eat and we're at a place where we're going to have steak, that's like a special. It's usually a special meal. Like we're, you know, we're we're out and we're having a good time. It's an anniversary or whatever. And there are no special meals. I want to eat until I can't eat anymore. And so I'm <laughs> always afraid to get the fillet because it's going to be like this little six ounce piece of meat that's only like three bites. And I'm like, you know what? Let's just go with the cheaper steak. But no one, I just know I'm going to be mm. full when I leave. Well, do you guys have a but see if you yeah. if you get the small one, then you have room for dessert, and then you can get full on dessert or two. The funny, yeah, do you guys ever go to like big steakhouses? Yeah. Like in New York, we go to a steakhouse here, like Old Homestead or or Spark Steakhouse, and or, or there's a whole bunch. You know, everyone's going to mention these other ones, but you go to the place, you get a fillet, and it's a little thing. It's like a hockey puck, and you get some mashed potatoes, and then all of a sudden, this is just my experience with my friends. You're completely stuffed. And you've eaten, you know, a volume of food that's like the size of, say, three cell phones. And it costs like $350 for two people. What a weird measurement device. <laughs> but you know what I'm, I'm saying? i everything in cell phones now. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. When you go to like a proper steakhouse, like you get a little bit of food, but somehow you get completely stuffed. Maybe because you eat too much bread. And the bill is like hmm. hundreds of dollars between two or three people. Hundreds of dollars. And like me and my friends don't even drink the couple guys I go to steakhouses with. And the bills end up being so, so expensive. But maybe it's just hmm. New York City. Yeah, I don't think I've had that. I mean, you know, like when we go out for an anniversary, it's a nice place, but it's never hundreds of dollars. It may be a hundred dollars. Yeah, I don't eat that much, I guess. But no, it's crazy. usually it's the New bottle of wine. Like when you get that bottle of wine with your dinner, that's the thing that throws it over like the the one fifty range. So yeah, drink water. <laughs> Good and then you have a hundred dollars to spend on desserts if you drink water. So there you go. Bob, Bob loves desserts. <laughs> um, let's see. There was oh, um, so this is also from Paul. Um, if you three and we get this a lot, so I'd, I I kind of want to like just talk through it and okay. see if we have any ideas. Um, if you three guys were to do a collaboration build, what would it be? Hmm. We've tried. You guys have any the, ideas on the this? The problem is uh, our schedules are so different. And it's just yeah. really hard to work it in. Uh, well, and here's my thought on it. And this, you know, collaborations are a big thing on YouTube, and people look for collaborations. And I try to look for them with people that are not in my kind of realm mm-hmm. because there's fewer 
points of overlap between skill set. In us, we all have different skill sets, and there are points where we don't overlap, but there's a whole lot of overlap as well. So it's like, you know, we can't make a, I don't know, a wooden thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's diff- right, you, know what, right. you know what actually would be a better collab video, which I actually really like, and we've talked about it before. Remember I jokingly said the chopstick challenge where we each get the same object and, you know, use that uh, as a starting point. So that's something yeah. we should potentially do one day. You know, like I like the, to- the two by four challenge that the guys do and – you know, everyone's given like like the same thing as a starting point. My my college professor who kind of got me going and who hired me at School of Visual Arts was very good at that, Kevin O'Callaghan. I was in a show where everybody was given a Yugo, the car, a non-running car, and turned it into an art object. And uh, somewhere on the internet, you can see mine is a picture of an accordion. It's a car turned into an accordion. It's like a big visual prop. But I always like that idea too, you know, like, it, and so it's, it's a collaboration video in the way that we're all on the same page, but we take it in our own direction. So it's funny to see as a starting point. So that, that, that might be a good idea for us to do. I like hmm. that. Can you explain the chopstick thing? I, I, is, it, is it just starting off with chopsticks? Oh, it was just a joke things? that, you know, uh, we, each, we each get a pair of chopsticks and what can we make with that? Gotcha, gotcha. You know, and I envisioned myself mm. slicing it really thin and making like the Eiffel Tower, like, you know, six inches tall or whatever, you know, just, that's just a stupid example. But the idea is like, you just get a material. We all start with the same volume tech, technical piece of material. And where do we take that piece of material and what, what do we do with it? I like that. Let's talk off air and schedule that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I was in, when I was in engineering school, I'm probably talking about this. One of my favorite projects that we did was everybody was given one piece of graph paper and we had to make the tallest tower with that one eight and a half by 11 piece of graph paper. And the, and on the graph paper, there were squares eighth by eighth inch. And so it was like a piece of fine graph paper. And uh, we were in teams of two and we had to literally just slice that paper up and glue it together with Elmer's glue and make it as tall as we possibly could, a tower. And mm-hmm. the very last tip was just like slivers of paper just to get that overall height. So that was a lot of fun doing stuff like that. Like, you know, everyone given the same starting point and engineer whatever it is you want to do with it. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good idea. All right. We'll try to make that happen. Yeah. Um, let me see. Well. Last one. Make it good. <laughs> oh, no. Last one. Um, okay, this might be interesting. Uh, this is from Neil. Hey, Neil. What challenges do you have finishing a project? Do you see any common roadblocks besides time and money? Sure. Here's the issue that I deal with when finishing projects. I when you're when you're done with it, and before you actually put finish on it, you can see it as a whole piece, and you're really proud and happy and excited that this thing is done. That I almost want to rush through. The, the finishing mm. process because I want it to be done because we're almost there. We're at the finish line. And uh, you want to bust through the tape. I want to bust through the tape. Yeah. And <laughs> you know, sometimes if depending on the type of finish you're going to use, it may take five days. And mm-hmm. that, that's just a long, that's a long five days. Yeah. Well, I just had the experience with uh, my, my Canon build and you guys know I've talked about it a couple times over the last few weeks. I got the piece of material in the lathe and now it was a matter of getting started and getting started and digging into this giant chunk of brass that weighs probably 70 pounds and cutting it up and wanting to that image is inside of that chunk of brass. And I just want to hit that image spot on or at least get close to it so that I could start to really see the vision and then really dig into it and hit the details. 
that's intimidating. And, uh, you know, even, you know, people might say, oh, you don't seem like you're intimidated by anything. But digging into that and being nervous that I'm going to screw it up or that I'm, my, my scale is going to be off. I'm, you know, I'm very cognizant of scale and like length and width compared to like reality because I'm using some real reference images from Google to, to make this. And uh, so it was I really had a hard time getting started. But when uh, Kevin came this weekend and he said, let's work on that. Like he had no idea that I was intimidated to start on my own project. I just faked it and said, all right, let's get started. And then like I told him later on, I was like, you know, I didn't want to do this because I was too nervous to, to screw up this metal. But anyway, we got off to a really good start. But I've had that experience quite a bit where like I have a really beautiful piece of material and I don't want to dig into it until like I feel like I'm good and ready to, to screw it up. But I never it's really do screw it up. You know, it's just getting, getting over the bump emotionally. It's funny how somebody else can help you kick your butt in gear and mm-hmm. just get started with something. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think for me, it's kind of like what you said, David, but maybe for a little different reason. Um, <clears throat> I have so many projects that I want to do or that are in progress at some different stage, you know, and the majority of them are in like a planning or a design stage. But so when I finish one, it's it's kind of like what you said when when you get it almost finished and it's like you can see that it is a thing that you wanted it to be, and it's not because I really want to rush through it to get that one done. It's because all right, this is pretty close, and I've got a bunch more stuff I need to go do. So I just want to like wrap it up, and but it's easier at that point when you're that close to just be like, well, this is good enough. I'm just gonna not really go take all the steps. I mean, case in point, like the outdoor sink that I did, I had to weld the frame, which was great. Hadn't done that in a while. Did some basic woodworking, did some sewing, got that thing functional and realized at the end, like I should really put a coat of polyurethane or like spar urethane on the top to protect this thing. But it's already done. It's functioning. It's working. I have other stuff to do. And I still haven't gone back and put that coat of finish on it because it's like, I'm done with that one. You know, I'm Mm -hmm. on to the next thing. But it's not really finished. Um, so it's. I think my challenge is just um, kind of following through with all the details to make sure I actually get them all done and not, not give up because it's good enough, you know? Mm. You know, I, I mean, it, it can be... You can also fall into the trap of, like, never giving up on something or never letting something be finished because you want to continually add that, you know, it's the 80-20, 10-90 kind of rule thing. Um but I don't, I don't really fall into that. I, I kind of give up maybe a little before I should because I want to move on to the next thing. But Yeah. Yeah. Music um, is definitely one of those things where it's hard to stop. Mm-hmm. Like when you're recording the song and you're layering things, you could just keep going and going and going, and eventually you have to tell yourself to stop. Yeah. And that's a place where you were talking about having somebody else come in and kick your butt. That's where a producer in the music world comes in mm-hmm. because they're the person that's not emotionally attached to your song and not emotionally attached to how you want it to sound. They come in and go, you don't need 30 guitar tracks. <laughs> Get rid of these. You don't mm-hmm. need like this many effects. Back it off. You know, and they strip it back to what it really needs to be instead of uh, you know, what my tendency would be to like, yes, we need more guitar. Yes, we need <laughs> more cowbell, more reverb, more reverb, you know? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Cool. Thanks, Twitter. Thank you. Um, you guys been watching anything cool? Anything new? Yeah. So I think I've mentioned this guy before. I'm going to mention him again because I met him while in North Carolina a couple weekends ago. And that channel is called Mod, where he is oh, just, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's just making a bunch of things. Like I'm on his 
his YouTube homepage. There's a key organizer. There is a DIY coffee energy bar, DIY fire starter, minimalist wallet. Really well done videos. And uh, I met him and his girlfriend. His name is Taylor. I forget his girlfriend's name. Sorry. Um, but good people. Good people. Um, I've been, I just, uh, Kevin introduced me this weekend to a machinist channel, which I actually really like because the guy's got a great sense of humor. It's called This Old Tony. And, uh, he talks about machining stuff and he's, um, he's got a really funny sense of humor. Like he goes to cut up a giant chunk of metal and he grabs like a kitchen knife and like adds some sound effects. And then all of a sudden it looks like he's cutting up sushi. And, uh, so, uh, as he makes, he makes doing really complicated machining things fun and simple to watch also because he's he does really good videos with a good narrative and uh if you guys know anything about machining videos a lot of guys don't it's like watching grass grow because <laughs> it's hard to make machining exciting because every pass is just literally a couple of hundred thousands of removing material and things don't change very fast so he mm. he keeps it interesting which is which is not a, a, an easy thing to do so take a look this old tony Cool. Um, so mine was actually a recommendation from uh, Jason McGinn showed me this after my sewing video. It's a channel called Man Sewing. <laughs> you like this one, David, if you're not familiar with it. Um, I'm not. And it's, um, I've only watched a couple of them, just kind of skim through them because it's a lot of stuff that I don't need to know yet, but I definitely subscribe so that it, I can have it as a reference. And it's just a guy that shows how to sew a bunch of different types of stuff. I mean, he does like quilting he shows how to hem your pants. He how to make uh, curtains and sleeves and tabs and all sorts of stuff. I mean, he's got golly, he's got a lot of videos. Hundred and twelve. So, yeah, I just subscribed um, just check, now. Go check out Man Sewing, and thank you, Jason, for that recommendation. Um, I guess that's it. Uh, before we go, I want to thank our Patreon supporters. Especially Make, Build, Modify, John Cornwell and Luis Gonzalez. They're our top supporters over there. <laughs> and uh, big thanks to everybody who supports us on Patreon. It's very helpful. And if you want to help us out there, you can go to patreon.com slash making it. Even a dollar is pretty awesome. So oh, thank please. you, guys. And thank you. Yep. And we have t-shirts. Do you want a oh, t-shirt? Yes. Yeah, there's t-shirts on our website somewhere. You can go find them and buy them. <laughs> um... Cool. That's it. You guys got anything else for this week? That's it. I want to dedicate my I love you to Luis because this weekend when I put up my printing video, he answered every one of the comments for me. I, I sent him a note. I said, thanks for being my uh, intern. He goes, I've been nice. up since 4.30 in the morning. I figured you were still sleeping. So he answered a lot of the comments. I like, started looking through the comments and Luis is answering this one. He answered that one. He answered this one. So awesome. I love you, Luis. Thank you, buddy. Good guy. Cool. That's it for this week. We'll see you next time. Bye, Thanks, guys. guys. One, four, three. Thank you. Love you. Love you. <laughs>